For sure. 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 Welcome to another episode of For Sure, a 200-foot podcast. I'm Peter. It's me, Jay. And uh, Jay, so since the last time we recorded, there, uh, number one, the season has started, which is obviously fun and fantastic. But um, there's been there's been some interesting storylines. So uh, what we're going to do for today is uh, we we just got finished recording the interview uh, with Will Scouch. Uh, Scouch is not his real last name, although that would be really interesting if it was. It just happened to be uh, a portmanteau of scouting and couch, uh, which is where he got it from. And we talked a lot about he he does uh, a lot of prospects. Uh, research and analysis and so we we had a, an interview that actually ran longer than than we expected but in a good way because uh, he was giving us just such great answers uh, and there's a lot of follow-up so um so that's coming your way in a little bit uh since the season is only really a couple couple games old as we record this uh for example you know if you're a Detroit fan like a lot of our listeners are they've only played one game and their second game isn't until tomorrow uh some some teams are actually just having their first game right now uh like New Jersey uh, who was playing Edmonton. And like I was telling Jay, I turned it on in the background and I walked away for a second and I came back and it was already one, one, uh, which is pretty interesting. Um, so what we're going to do is we're going to go over a couple, couple things that have happened recently, a uh, couple storylines that we're interested in that are either happening now or that are, uh, are, you know, projected to happen and that we're interested to see how they develop. And then we're just going to get to the interview. So, um, it's going to be an interview-heavy episode, I think. Uh, so, Jay, first of all, uh, one of the major things that happened is the NHL uh, went viral. The NHL actually got something to go viral. And, of course, it was the Philadelphia Flyers who, who made it happen. And by no, by no measure of them actually being responsible for it either. I don't think they can, I don't think they can take credit for it. I think this is just one of those glorious moments where they just happened to be able to put their name on. Yeah. And so destroyed everything. (laughs) So I am, of course, talking about Gritty, who is the Philadelphia Flyers mascot and uh, nightmare fuel for a generation of children now. (laughs) So uh, so, Jay, um, well, I'll just ask it this way. So what are what are your thoughts on Gritty? Uh, Have you changed your thoughts since the introduction? Because I kind of think I have and I'm, I'm interested to see if we've kind of gone on the same journey. Separately. I'm, gl- I'm, I'm glad you you asked that because my my opinion has changed somewhat. I think my my knee jerk reaction, and I think a lot of people had the same thing, which was something between uh, uh, Tote's face melting from the end of Raiders of the Lost Ark <laughs> and uh, the Vince McMahon gif where he's just tugging on his ear, looking really confused, looking everywhere, like what what is what is happening? So I, I think that was my reaction at at first, but. Um, I've actually seen some accounts of there's there are some uh, younger fans who actually kind of dig uh, gritty style. Um, I, I've noticed that uh, his, his Twitter account is uh, is not afraid of chirping. Um, there's there's been a couple of instances where uh, uh, I think I think the Penguins have already tried to chastise him and Gritty's already responded in kind. So um, it appears uh, as the as they say, Gritty has come to play. <laughs> and, yeah. Uh, and I, uh, 
I, I guess I guess Gritty's growing on me. I'm mm-hmm. I'm I'm still a little uh, curious about what uh, you know. We've seen several mascots unveiled through the years. Uh, obviously, most recently the uh, the Vegas mascot Chance, um, and and that one wasn't like that one was just kind of perplexed. Like it was just kind of like yes, it's a mascot, but it didn't really have any overarching or surprising features. It was. You know, like it's, it's like a lizard dinosaur type thing, which is a classic trope of the mascot realm. But a name chance, yes, they're in Vegas. Yep, everything's a game of chance, just like they took a chance on yeah. putting a hockey team there. They ended up going to the cup mm. final in the first flipping season. So plus, he, plus, he's a rapper, so it, yeah, it, it worked well, out well. Yes, it, it, it's it's all about synergy. But uh, yeah, I think uh, Gritty's was the type of thing where. Um, uh, I've, I've, it's not so much I've recanted, I'll recant my statement. It's, I know what I felt, but I'm allowed to change my mind. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I think he's, I, I don't know if it's a he or she, I think we should obviously refer to in, in the general, they, you know, mm-hmm. we don't want to assign any gender pronouns just yet because, uh, you know, just like the Philly fanatic, I mean, there, I, I must say seeing the, f- the fanatic and gritty dancing on the dugout, that was, that was actually pretty cool. It was, it was kind of reminiscent of when, uh, when Ricky Gervais won the Oscar for the office, or not won the Oscar, won the Emmy for the office, but wasn't there. And Steve Carell had to accept it, which meant <laughs> the Daily Show won it. And all of them were jumping and hugging each other on the, on the center stage there. That was the type of enthusiasm I saw with the fanatic and gritty hanging out. So, so yeah, my opinion has changed from uh, abject horror to, uh, you know, maybe a, a tolerable, terrifying thing. So uh, what about yours? <laughs> Yeah, I I definitely have gone through somewhat of a journey uh, with this <laughs> because originally I was I was thinking that is terrifying. Um, I, I I believe that I have seen Gritty before, and it was when I was six years old, and it was the creature that lived under my bed, and I was scared that it would grab my ankle every time I stepped out to go to the bathroom uh, in the middle of the night, and but. I I don't know. I think I uh, you know I, I I I think I think it was you know JJ pointed this out that basically the mascots are mainly for children and the kids seem to like it. The kids seems to think it was interesting and you know so I think I kind of have to remember that mascots aren't really for me. Uh, you know I am not the target audience. And if uh, if the kids are liking it, then that's that's fantastic. If um if it gets more people interested in hockey, then I am all for that. Um. I think it's just I think it's just that he looked or, you know, again, we don't know if it's if it's male or female, but it seemed like Gritty looked just so weird, like so different than what we might have been expecting. However, at the same time, there are it's it's kind of like a like a mashup of, of several different mascot types like tropes if you will i guess yep. you know like you, you had mentioned the philly fanatic like there you know the the center part of the body is basically the same shape um yeah. and i just thought it was interesting and, and and i think i've realized that the the two things that made me have the biggest reaction were number one just how strange the eyes were um because it has like the googly eyes where like they shake around. Oh and yes, they seemed, do. Oh yes, they do. It just kind of seemed to to create an effect that was disturbing. I thought, <laughs> um, and I oh, so, I so I think that was one thing. And then the other thing was the the videos that they played to uh, to introduce it, where it like skates at you and it does like this slide. Um, yep. And it was just for for me, it was the combination of those two things that just seemed so weird. 
but like I said, at the same time, um, I, I am, I am totally fine with gritty. I don't really have a problem. Um, I've, I had to change the name on one of my fantasy hockey teams and it's now gritty little flyers. So thank you very much for allowing me to indulge my love of puns. Um, <laughs> so speaking of love, uh, one of the things that Jay loves is talking about jerseys. And since the last time we recorded, we've gotten actually several jerseys, but we want to talk about one in particular uh, because it is a classic. It is a, a, a sort of throwback, if you will. And I am, of course, talking about the Carolina Hurricanes uh, announcing that they are going to play, I think it's two games this year, using the Hartford Whalers jersey, like an update to it. So, Jay, as somebody who grew up, I'm, I'm you know, I grew up in Connecticut. I grew up in Milford, which is not that far from Hartford, maybe an hour less. I, I didn't go to Hartford t- too much when I was growing up, but you know, I, I, I grew up when I grew up, the, the Whalers were still there and I was never a Whalers fan, but uh, you know, it was, it was an important part of the, the, the environment. You know, a lot of people who lived in the area are still upset about the management, you know, quote unquote, stealing the stealing the team from them or leaving the city, uh, whatever verbiage you want to use. And I know that there are some uh, some some old school Hartford Whalers fans that are not very happy that Carolina is using this. So so I guess, first of all, like, what do you think about the design and what do you think about is this something that they should have done or is this kind of maybe a little bit of a slap in the face? Man, this it, it is it is a very um, what's the word? It's a it is a polarizing uh, 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 happenstance that's happened here because uh, you all at once are excited about one of the most identifiable, classic, and also um, skilled in using uh, negative space logos to ever be created on this earth. And uh, you're excited that it could get some more play, but you're you're kind of confused about the circumstance because, as you already stated, yes, the team is the team is no longer in Hartford and no longer called the Whalers. So um, it, 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 I think it's um, it, it's certainly a bold move. Uh, I I think I would have been more comfortable with it if it was a preseason exhibition at an arena in Hartford where they wore them. I don't know if I'm, I, I think I'm mo- most disturbed by why are you wearing another city's Jersey in another city? <laughs> that's, that's a little confusing to me. Um, I, 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 and I guess in the professional, because again, yes. Okay. So you're honoring a team's history. Yes. It's a sad history. <laughs> it's a sad history because of the way that it kind of wrapped up, you know, I think there's, there's a lot of people that played there that, uh, you know, I don't you know, you know, Ray Ferraro, uh, Brendan Shanahan, like there's, there's a lot of, uh, still ill feelings about that. I think Nick American Dante had the best, the reply to it, which was, please, we're already, de- please, we're already dead. Yeah. It's like the symptoms. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Stop it. He's already dead. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, it's, it, I think it's, it, it it's right in the middle there, Pete, because I'm excited that, you know, the, the chance to have that Jersey still being, um, you know, uh, actually being recirculated in terms of production. That's, that's really cool. Cause I think maybe before all you could really do was buy them on the secondary and counterfeit market, but to have newer, you know, I, I, I haven't looked at it close enough yet because I wonder if they made the Jersey in the same vein as the new Adidas, uh, 
jersey design with like the pet like it's kind of like the really puffy padded design that's on the shoulders and like really nice and clean cut around um so i I wonder if it shares most of that uh, design when when the team actually wears it but Mm. um yeah it's i think at the end of the day it is neat but i'm 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 standing with everybody else when it comes to maybe the feelings generated by it because you know like look at the look at the difference. You know how would we feel if uh, Winnipeg wore a Thrashers jersey? How would we feel if Arizona wore a Jets jersey? Or um, gosh, like uh, if the Dallas Stars wore a North Stars jersey, right? Like there's, I think some stuff maybe lends itself a little bit better because sure. uh, you know I think the difference between you know the North Stars and the Stars isn't too much of a leap, but you know I think especially when there's especially when there's no, you know, we could go back and say, Hey, even if the, if Hartford left under better circumstances, which doesn't make sense because that means it would have never left. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, it's, it, it, yeah, I think, ah, gosh, how can I say it uh, again and again, but I, you, you already know what I say. Uh, yeah. What What are your thoughts? What are your feelings? And <laughs> yeah, I mean, the reason I asked you first is because I was pretty sure that we were going to be on the same page. Like we haven't talked about, I, I think actually yeah. we talked a little bit about this on, on text uh, message when it first came out. Um, yeah. And I, you know, I, I pretty much agree with what you said. Uh, th- um, it, it's interesting. Cause uh, you, you mentioned Nick Mercadante. I was, I was talking with him last night on, on DM and uh, I, I, I thought about asking him, but I, I figured, you know, I, I'm not going to, yeah, I'm not going to, I'm not going to rip off that bandaid or, or whatever. So um, I think as a, as a, a, a fan of interesting jerseys, like I know, obviously you are the, you are the Jersey aficionado among, uh, you know, between the two of us, but I do like, uh, like, like the cool jerseys. Like whenever I play um, NHL and I have the ability to use like an older jersey you know so for like the red wings like i'll go to like um you know one of the winter classics or or one of those like the old school jerseys um i like uh you know and like if you're playing hockey ultimate team or something like that where you can use like you know maybe like a ohl jersey or a whl jersey and then like i I think it's cool kind of like the different types of jerseys but um so from an aesthetic uh viewpoint i really like that one um if i were to get a jersey that's not a Red Wings jersey, I think that would be probably near the top of the list. Although I, I do think I would probably just go with the old school one rather than the new ones. Uh, but it, it's kind of the same with uh, we had talked to a, a previous episode about the uh, the New Jersey Devils Christmas tree ones. Um, it's just kind of yeah. like a, you know, kind of like a throwback and nostalgic uh, tie back to uh, when I was younger growing up, you know, just starting to watch hockey and just starting to get into it. And so I think because of that, like I associate good feelings with seeing that Jersey, but I think you, you hit the nail on the head. So I'm not just going to repeat what you said, um, you know, with the, uh, you know, kind of, kind of the, the reason why I, I think maybe it wasn't such a great idea. Speaking of not such a great idea, um, Tom Wilson uh, doesn't really seem to have too many great ideas when it's uh, when, when the question is, should I hit this guy or not? Um, should I launch my body into his head area? Um, and so surprise, surprise, Tom Wilson was not able to make it through the preseason without doing something incredibly dumb. And this time the NHL has, uh, has found the book and, uh, they've, they've wound up their arms and actually threw it at Tom Wilson, giving him 
20 game suspension, which is uh, one of the longer ones in especially recent history. I remember Dennis Weidman got 20 games for uh, basically assaulting the, uh, the linesman. Um, I think Rafi Torres was 25. Uh, I think that was his, his biggest one. Um, so yeah. So, so Tom Wilson uh, did something dumb. He, basically gave somebody a concussion, separated his shoulder. If you've seen a picture after um, the player he hit was uh, d- did not look very good. He, uh, he had a, a, a giant kind of scar on, not a scar, but like a, like a wound on his face, basically um, that made me think of like Omar and the wire. Uh, <laughs> it was, it was a pretty giant, pretty giant uh, cut. Um, and so we've talked about Tom Wilson specifically, and we've talked about hits to the head, et cetera, and department of player safety at length in the past. So you can imagine that we are both in support of this. Uh, in fact, if, if anything, I would, I would have wanted it to be longer just because I think the suspensions in general should be longer, especially for these types of hits. Uh, you know, if you want to, if you really want to get it out of the game. Um, so we're not going to spend a ton of time talking about it, but Jay, what was your, what was your reaction to this? Uh, I was driving when I received the text, and um, I uh, only glanced at it because you're not supposed to text and drive, kids. Yep. Um, but I did see the notification flash across the screen, and I think my first reaction was that of, uh, okay, that's I, – I think you already said it. I think I would have liked it to maybe be a little bit longer, but that's a pretty big statement. And based on the breakdown – which uh, has been so lovingly done by by Twitter. He basically forfeited all of his year salary <laughs> in uh, in that span. So more than his uh, year salary. Oh, oh, yeah, it's, it's I, over. I thought there was it's, a little. Uh, I thought there was no, like his, a little left over, but it's the whole thing. Yeah, his salary, his his actual salary, not non signing bonus, is I think it's a tiny bit over a million, and okay. he's going to forfeit about one point three, one point four, somewhere around okay, there. Okay, so I, th- I think I must have read the. The one tweet I saw wrong. Either way, he's uh, basically now playing uh, the game the way is meant the way it's meant to be played, right, Pete? Just for fun. <laughs> yes. So uh, I'm. Uh, gosh, you know you, what? What do we hope to come from this? Do we want Tom Wilson to just spend 20 games of of introspection and reevaluating his style of play, and then will other players around the league look at this decision and then decide that they should do the same and completely? Uh, change aspects of their uh, playing style to uh, accommodate uh, more playing time as mandated by, as mandated mm-hmm. by the league. So uh, I, I think that's the hope here. Um, I uh, I'm very curious uh, if that'll actually happen. Uh, we've seen guys get uh, these types of suspensions before and come back exactly the same and unchanged. So um uh, I, I guess this is the, this is the part where I guess if there was a, like a live, um, litmus test for the league in terms of reacting to the suspension. I mean, we heard from caps players about it, specifically Devontae Smith Pelly, who, whose statement was a little curious to me just because he maybe felt like maybe the, the NHL was like targeting him just because of his history. And like my, <laughs> my, my ad, my, uh, rebuttal is kind of like that's kind of the point <laughs> hmm. so you know if you behave a certain way and uh you know yes i think smith pelly's got a good point that at the end of the day there are hits that look exactly the same but will get ruled differently and there is a little bit of 
unfortunate gray area between, but um, I think Tom Wilson's behavior speaks for itself. This isn't, this isn't some, you know, Hey, the, you got the wrong guy. You know, yeah. I think that everybody knows that this is exactly who he, it's the classic. He is who we thought he was. Yeah. So it's like, like, it's, like my Angela, when somebody shows you who they are the first time, believe them. Yeah. Believe them. Uh, yeah, so that's, yeah. And I mean, the only thing I want to say is like, I think, I think by giving him 20 games, I think the league is sending the message finally, which I think they should have done on the last suspension, if not yep. earlier, is basically if you don't stop, we are going to treat you like Matt Cook and Rafi Torres, which I think they, they need to do because, yep. I mean, the game the game moves very quickly. And I do think there are times, like if you remember, uh, oh God, was it last year or two years ago when Nyquist basically speared a guy in the face? Um, yeah. And at the time, I, I basically said, like, objectively, it should be a longer suspension because that is a really that's a really terrible thing to do. It's, it's incredibly dangerous. Um, yep. However, in, you know, compared to what the typical suspension length is, I thought that it was about right. Um, because, like I said before, I mean, I pretty much advocate for longer suspensions across the board. Um, but in the in the, the 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 precedent that's been set, I think that the Nyquist suspension ended up being pretty much just about right. Um, but somebody like him, you you imagine he's not going to do that again. Um, obviously, it was uh, it, it was definitely a horrible decision on his part. But yep. based on his history, it seems incredibly unlikely that he's going to make that he's going to make that horrible uh, judgment call again. Whereas Tom Wilson, th- this is who he is. He if he sees a player that's defenseless, he is going to hit them, and he is more likely than not going to target their head. Uh, whether yep. or not he actually hits their head is another is another thing. But like this is what he does when he hits, he launches his body upward. He targets the head. He is a predatory player. Um, I wish it wasn't true. I don't know Tom Wilson. Um, it could be the case where with a lot of these guys that off the ice, he's a great guy. But when he's on the ice, he is going to target you and try to hurt you. And the league needs to get that out of the game. Um, so uh, moving on, uh, we have we have one more topic before we get to the interview with Will. Um, so we're going to talk about uh, some storylines that we've either that we've seen so far or that we're interested in. Uh, so we're going to do two each. Uh, so Jay, I'm going to let you go first. So what's, what's either a storyline that you've seen so far in the league happening or kind of like something that, you know, we don't know what's going on. We're, we're interested in how a, a situation is going to play out. So what do you got? Um, I think my first thing that I would love to know if that, uh, that I'm going to try and keep the most eye on is obviously Edmonton with the, you know, like they had their overachieving year and then they had their setback year last year. So I'm very, I'm pretty curious to see what uh, old Connie Mack and the Oilers are going to do um, based on, you know, you, you have a, a really exciting, successful year and then just a year you would just love to forget. And how do you, how do you respond to that? So I'm, I'm, I'm keeping an eye on that. And, you know, it's, uh, it, it is, uh, it, it does sound like a knee jerk you know, obvious thing, but that does, but that doesn't discount it. I think it's very, very normal to mm-hmm. wonder what this quote unquote savior is going, is going to, yeah. to do this year. So yeah, I'm, I'm keeping an eye on, on what they do. I, I'm my, my prediction is I, I, I think they make it back, but mm-hmm. I don't think they're going to go very far. So that's, yeah, no, I, I think, uh, you know, like I said, uh, as we're recording this right now, it is, um, it is one, 
uh well <laughs> sorry it's 201 eastern time on uh saturday uh, the sixth and uh, the, the NHL is in, in Sweden this year to start the season uh, among other places and uh, New Jersey and Edmonton are playing. So um, like I said before, that game got off to a very fast start uh, at the end of the first period. I think it's just one, one, um, but yeah, Edmonton, New Jersey. It's funny because it, like a, a few years ago, that would have been a nightmare game because I grew up, you know, I, I grew up basically getting to see New Jersey play a lot, either on television or in person. And watching New Jersey play was always the most boring thing. It was always going to be the most boring, most boring game because they were just going to shut you down on on offense. And basically, if it got to be one nothing, you were lucky. You know, if you got to see a yep. goal, you were lucky. Mm-hmm. So it's it's kind of interesting to see that how 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 much New Jersey has changed in that regard. Uh, and now, you know, last year living relatively close. I live probably an hour away from the arena in, you know, depending on traffic. And last year uh, I purposefully went to go see a couple devils games, uh, not just against the Red Wings, but I got, I went to go see them play Washington and Edmonton. Um, and they were entertaining games. It was, it was cool. Uh, so yeah, I am definitely interested to see what happens in Edmonton. Uh, Connor McDavid is pretty much worth watching all by himself. Uh, I, I'm interested to see what happens with uh, with Puliyarvi because I remember being very impressed with him in the game I saw live last year, um, and I was kind of wondering why he wasn't playing more. So I think it's going to be interesting to see what happens there. Uh, obviously, they have still have a lot of issues, but um, oh, and, and also uh, Clefbaum. I'm going to be really interested to see Clefbaum mm-hmm. because he he had. Uh, you know, a, a very injury filled year last year. And for some reason, she really wouldn't shut him down, which made no sense. Um, if I remember correctly, they were trying to showcase him for a trade, which is always, always the best course of action is to showcase a player who's injured uh, for a trade, because that really helps you get the best return. Absolutely. It does. So, so my first storyline that I'm interested in is probably pretty obvious, but I think it's an important one is going to be the William Nylander situation in Toronto. Um, since the last episode, there's been some developments. Uh, as of right now, William Nylander still is not signed. It does not really seem like uh, like they're close. <laughs> it doesn't seem like this is one of those things where like, oh, it's going to get done in the next couple of days. Um, obviously, as as most of our fans are, most of our listeners are Red Wings fans. We remember this happening with Athens CU last year. Um, and it turned out that um, it seems like the relationship between Athens CU and the Red Wings management is is fine. And I remember being worried that the holdout basically meant that he was going to try to leave Detroit as soon as possible. And then he signed a two year deal when he didn't have to. Um, so I think, you know, that's playing out well for Detroit. So it's not necessarily going to lead to uh, bitterness between him and uh, the Maple Leafs organization. But I mean, he's just. He's he's just a, a fantastic player. Kind of like in, in the interview coming up, we talked uh, about Mitch Marner and Nylander is is you know the same where he's a very exciting player. Uh, he makes a lot happen every time he's on the ice. And just as a neutral fan, I just like watching him play. And I'm I'm hoping that this this uh, impasse is resolved pretty soon. Um, and I think. Uh, I don't know. I, I think we're probably going to see him back within a week or two. Uh, but at the same time, you never know. This is, uh, uh, you know, everybody thought that Tavares wasn't going to really actually test free agency. And he did. So, uh, you know, this might be a new this might be a new path forward uh, in the league. Uh, so that's my second or my first one. I'm sorry. Uh, Jay, what's your second storyline uh, that you're interested in? 
Um, I, uh, gosh, you know, from, from everything that's, uh, that's happening, I think the one thing I'm going to keep my very other precious eye on is just how much Ottawa will be imploding Mm. with the departure of Carlson. And, uh, conversely, maybe this is kind of a twofer what Ottawa does, but then also how San Jose does. Cause, um, I, I'm. Gosh, you know, whatever the, they have to, all the plans for the Doug Wilson statue have to have been like finalized years ago, right? Like even, even though he hasn't won a cup for them yet, like the guys, like the guys earned his way into the hall of fame, I think based on the acquisitions he's been able to pull off alone. And sure. He's, he is a wheeler and a dealer. And, uh, that was, uh, you know, uh, of all the ways to have it play out, you, um, uh, I, I honestly didn't think it was going to be San Jose. I got, I, I was feeling more it was going to be a Dallas thing because that just sounded like a Jim Nill thing to do <laughs> was to yeah. was to just swoop in and just take Carlson from Ottawa and then just throw a bunch of stuff. So, um, but yeah, yeah, I'm keeping an eye on that. I, but maybe not so much the Sens, but more so for Brian five or six because I think we're gonna we're on the verge of. Uh, for, for those who don't know, Brian five or six is a popular Sens Twitter personality. He, Raises a bunch of money for charities and stuff, but uh, the the uh, the senator's uh, behavior over the last few years has caused this guy. He, I, and I don't know if this is all just surface stuff, if he's just playing to the crowd, but um, it uh, it sounds like just this is ta- he's taking it really hard. But he's a really good Canadian boy, and he knows how to how to entertain people. So um, I'm interested to see how his sanity fares throughout the season and. Um, all, all I can hope is that uh, he can find some solace, and uh, I just need Eugene Melnick to sell the team already. So yeah, it's, it's incredible. Like when this when this started happening, I, I realized just how many of the uh, the hockey Twitter people that I'm friends with are Senators fans. Like like it was it was abnormally large amount compared to what I would have imagined. Uh, I mean, I just off the top of my head, like Matt Cain. Um, uh, let's see. Oh yeah, no, I can only list one. No, Dylan Galloway yeah. from Future Considerations that we interviewed. Um, and I know there's more, I know there's, there's more that I was not anticipating being senators fans. And all of a sudden I'm like, Oh, Oh, sorry. Uh, you want to talk about something else? Uh, <laughs> yeah. all, right. all right. So my, my, my last thing to wrap this up, uh, my second storyline that I'm interested in is, is something that again, and I'm, I'm going to promote the interview a little bit. It's something that we talked to, uh, Will about, um, is I think that this is going to be a really interesting year for the Calder trophy race, because I think, Obviously, going in, Dolan is going to be uh, the maybe not the overall favorite from everybody who would be, uh, you know, trying to predict this. Uh, but obviously, with, you know, number one draft pick, he jumps right into the league. He's, uh, you know, more than likely going to be able to make a big impact. But there are there there's a lot of players, uh, you know, uh, Elias Pettersson out in Vancouver um, is one of them. Uh, Andre Shvechnikov over in Carolina. Um, maybe as a dark horse, but um, we all kind of laughed when it, when they took him. But uh, Kakinyemi in in Montreal is yep. is off to a good start. I mean, I saw him play a little bit in the preseason. He didn't really light up the score sheet, but he was doing he was he was making good plays. And I'm not like if I were going to pick a top three, I'm not saying I would put him in it. But at the end of the year, if he was in the top three, I would not be surprised. Um, it wouldn't be like oh my god, I can't, I, I didn't see that coming at all. Um, and, you know, on the Red Wing side, I mean, it'll be interesting to see if we see Philip Sedina up uh, before too long. I um, 
I, as much as I didn't want it to happen, I do think I have to say I agree with the decision to send him down. I think it would be different if he wasn't AHL eligible, like Michael Rasmussen. If he had to go back to juniors, I think they would have kept him up with the NHL team. Um, Cause it's the same thing. It's like Michael Rasmussen, uh, you know, he didn't have a great first NHL game, but there's nothing left for him to learn in juniors. There's, there's no point in him going back there. So it'll be interesting to see if Zanina comes up, uh, you know, you know, at all, I guess. I mean, I think, I think we'll see him at least maybe second half of the season. Um, but yeah, like there's a lot of good rookies and, and it's not even just, not even just those. I mean, there's probably realistically, there's probably like 10 rookies that could, be in the, you know, the top three, uh, you know, at the end of the year when we get all the votes and the, the finalists, um, you know, top three, there definitely could be uh, in that running. So I think that's going to be really interesting to see. Absolutely agreed. All right. So uh, I've mentioned it a couple of times. Uh, we have an interview coming up uh, right now with Will. Uh, will Scouch, if you will. Uh, it's a, a pen name. Uh, I don't actually know his real name. Uh, I, I figured it would be interesting to be like, all right, first question. What's your real name? Yeah. What's your name, soldier? Where, where were you when you were born? <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's a fantastic interview, and I'm not just saying that because it, you know it's it's our show, but it really it really was a good one. Um, because he he's he's really well versed in prospects, and you can tell by by listening to it just how much he knows and just how much research he does. Um, so uh, it, it's a it's a really good conversation. I'm, I I really had fun doing it. And uh, so we're going to play that for you and then we'll see you on the other side and we'll close out the show. Our guest today is Will uh, Scouch. Uh, it's a it's a pen name, right? Uh, his first name is actually Will, uh, but the uh, the last name comes from his site, uh, Scouching. So basically a combination of the word scout and couch, uh, or I guess scouting and couch. Basically, um, yes. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so, like I said, I, I always want to make sure that we we give out the plug. So you can follow him on Twitter at Scouching, which is S-C-O-U-C-H-I-N-G. And so uh, he founded that website. Um, you can find it at... Uh, oh, I had it. Yeah, you can find it at Scouching.ca. Uh, so, Will, thanks for joining us. Oh, no problem. It's, a, it's my pleasure. Yeah, so... Um, I, I got to know you after we did our interview with Dylan Galloway from Future Considerations. And during the podcast, uh, one of the questions that we got, I think from a reader, but this is something I was going to ask anyway, was, you know, basically for people who are listening, who want to get into what he's doing, you know, like, like, like what's the path? And I remember that he, he mentioned you, you know, he's like, you don't have to be part of an organization or whatever, like you can just kind of start doing it. And so when he told me about that, I, I, I looked into you, we, you know, we got in touch and stuff. So I guess, I guess I just wanted to start with like, how did you, like, how did you go from somebody who is just in, interested in this to where you are now? Like kind of like, what was your path to get there? Uh, it, it's pretty, it's a pretty long period of time. Like as a kid, I was always the guy that you know, like everyone wanted to play in the NHL. And I mean, I was that way too when I was really little, but I, looking back on it, it's more like I just wanted to be in hockey. Like I didn't need to play. And I, the reason is like, I had all of those NHL yearbooks that they would put out. Like they were, I don't know, 200 pages long and like insanely detailed. And and it had (laughs) all the draft picks and all the stats and all the guys and whatever. And I would buy one every year and 
read it just cover to cover and just learn as much as I could. And the older I got, that never went away. And then when the internet became a thing, I mean, I remember the days before the internet, but I became the kid who was always on the internet as a, you know, 13 year old guy on, you know, message boards and all this stuff like HF boards was a thing and it was brand new. And I was in there for some reason. Um, (laughs) And, uh, but you know, the older I got with the more sort of analytical work that came out and the more that social media kind of evolved and more and more people started to really dig into sort of the sport. uh, It kind of melded sort of my love for the sport and I always have been fascinated by the draft. I, I'm, I'm the kind of person who's like thinking two or three years down the line all the time, like always, you know, trying to stay ahead of, of things, you know, trying to, you know, I don't want to be the person who kind of falls behind and, and is like an old curmudgeon. So in order to do that, you kind of have to stay ahead of what's going on and try to keep ahead of the curve. So for me, that instinct kind of led to the draft, you know, it, it's, it's great that a hockey team might be good today, but if you're not, you know, to me, if you're not looking to be particularly competitive in a few years, that might be an issue, but it is still possible to do so. And the easiest way is through the draft. So for me, it kind of melded everything together. And I realized that there wasn't a lot of, there wasn't a lot of scouting kind of work that was being done online. Like I know ever since there has been more of a push from sort of people on Twitter to do more work in the scouting world, but it's almost like very raw data. So what I've been trying to do is kind of meld the two. Like when I first started, it was all data. I was just getting all the data I could, but that kind of turned into, okay, there are some guys who look really good on a stat sheet, but they're not turning out or they're not developing very well. And, and so I would go and look at the tape and and wonder why and try to find reasons why and the opposite is true too so guys who might not show up on the on the stat sheet enough or too much but maybe there's just a few things that need to be tweaked and you go and look at tape and you go okay this person you know is doing things right it's just not working out in terms of producing so Mm -hmm. if there's a way i can bridge all of that together and sort of do like the idea is to do the work of an entire scouting team from never having to leave my house (laughs) <laughs> and, and, and I mean, I, I like to check my own work, I have a list of players that, you know, would have gone, I, I, since I'm in Toronto, you know, I take Leafs draft picks and say, okay, who would I have taken with based on who was left? And I have a list of all these guys from the last three years. And like, I mean, I don't, it, it turned, it's turned out okay. So far, I would mm-hmm. say like, and, and if I can turn out okay, quote unquote, relative to a team that has, you know, a huge budget for, for scouting, then, then there might be some, some legs to this, this approach. Um, So it's just been kind of more and more development on this and just keeping on expanding the scope and trying to do as much as I can and get as much data as I can to, to, you know, hopefully give people a better idea of what's coming down the line. So how long did it take for you to come up with scouting? Uh, Actually, not that long. I uh, I was looking for a Twitter name, and I mean, it's kind of like, well, what are you? What am I trying to do here? Like, what am I? What, what's my angle? And I knew right away it was going to be draft based, you know, analytics. Like that's kind of the, the the angle, and it just kind of came together pretty quickly. I didn't need to really ask anyone; it just popped into my head. I mean, I wish there was a more entertaining story but i mean i i was sitting on a couch and i went i'm going to be doing this a lot so let's you know go with that 
That's well, good. I, first of all, let's just get this out of the way that that is the right story. That is the correct story you're supposed to say. Right. I, like, a, well, I was walking down the Parisian Boulevard and this bird flew across my face and I was struck with ideation. Right. You know, yeah. I, I, none of that. I'm, I'm glad that that's. I, I, I think potato chips might have been involved. Like it was, <laughs> it was greasy. Oh, well, that's yeah. that's that's the type of work we like to hear about. The Good. greasy work. Good. Um, so, uh, Will, is I, I, I know it's kind of a weird thing to lead off with, like asking somebody to basically toot their own horn, but what's your success story right now? Do you have one? What's, what's, uh, the, what's the biggest turnout that you've discovered so far where you're like, oh, man, I, I think I did this right? Uh, I mean, I look back at the, um, you know, I started this in the, before the 2016 draft, and I part of the reason I did this was because I, being in Toronto, uh, knew that there was this sort of management shift that was going on. You know, guys mm-hmm. like Mark Hunter and Kyle Dubas and Lou Lamorello. Like it, it's it was very much a wide net of of uh, at least from my interpretation, like a wide net of hockey people, right? Like very opposite ends of the spectrum. And then when you go into the 2016 draft, I was sitting there and watching who the Leafs were taking and just going, what are they doing? Like, what is happening? Like, I, cause I was looking at the sheet and I was like, okay, last year in 2015, supposedly Kyle Dubas kind of helped run the draft table and guys like Dimitro Timoshov and Jeremy Bracco were, you know, value picks in the mid rounds. And you're like, that's, that's great. Like those guys have high ceilings. There's a lot of skill there right away. You can, you can work. There's a nice little template to work with. But then you get to 2016 and you're taking a lot of size and not very much mobility and you're, you see what they're trying to get at, but you're wondering if that's where the league is going. And I mean, you look back in hindsight and you can tell it kind of hasn't gone that way. And so after right. that draft, I went, okay, who would I have taken? Because I need to put my, put my foot down and say, you know, if I was in this situation today, the day after the draft, who would I have taken? And, you know, like the Leafs took Igor Kors- Korshkov at 31. I have Jonathan Dolan there, who is now, you know, in the AHL, but <clears throat> but has been a great player in Sweden for a few years and is a very high-level prospect who's going to play with Elias Pettersson in Vancouver, like, forever. And I'm, I'm excited to see him. You know, um, <laughs> uh, at 62, I think they took Joseph Wall, if I'm not mistaken. I have Adam Fox there. Everyone knows Adam Fox now. Like he was a part that helped uh, helped land Dougie Hamilton, right? Like they, they like mm-hmm. he was a, he's a good enough prospect now, where they parlayed that into something the Leafs could use, which is a top pair defenseman. So you know, and at seventy two, I had Frederick Ayard, who last year was one of the best defensemen for his age in the AHL. Like so, right there, that's three guys between. 31 and 72 that are looking like very, very good prospects relative to who the Leafs actually took. So, I mean, I like Joseph Wall, though, so I can't, whatever, be too upset. I mean, at the same time, I don't want to toot my horn too much because at 122, I'm looking at my sheet here. At 122, I have Cole Candela, who the Vancouver Canucks took and never signed. So it's never going to be perfect. But then again, at 182 that year, I have Ty Ronning, who scored 60 goals last year in the WHL and is headed to the, to the AHL. So it's a mixed bag, but I mean, if you can get, I mean, my late round picks for the Leafs right now are Ivan Chekovich, who is also, you know, almost made the Sharks this year. Uh, I've got Ty Ronning in here. 
I mean, like there's some good options that might turn out to be good hockey players that were sixth round picks. So mm-hmm. maybe, maybe my value would be more applicable as the draft goes on to find, you know, big swings you can take. But, mm-hmm. but I mean, it's, if you're asking about my quote unquote success story, yeah. it's still early, but I'm, I'm pretty, I find it pretty promising. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah, I wanted to I wanted to circle back on something that you said because uh, you know, like one of these things I'm interested in is uh, you had mentioned uh, you know Elias Patterson in Vancouver, yeah, and so I think that's going to be a really interesting year for the the Calder Trophy race because obviously you know you got Dolan who is getting all the hype you know number one draft pick. Uh, franchise defenseman you know obviously there's a question about if he's like that next level kind of like you know like Connor mcdavid is is more of like a generational type player depending you know depending on obviously those uh those labels are a little bit fluid and people use them a little differently sure but i think it's interesting because it seems to me like somebody like petterson maybe like even merrill heiskanen uh like it doesn't seem to me like it's just going to be like oh dolan is going to have a cakewalk to the calder so yeah who do you think are going to be uh, maybe some other players who could, who could challenge, you know, who who might be in, you know, that top five for voting uh, that we, you know, well, I mean, obviously that we we might think of, but you know, especially if, if there's somebody like we might not think of. Sure. Um, I mean, Andre Svechnikov uh, mm. could could be in there. I mean, he was one of the best. I think he had the best uh, goal scoring seasons at even strength in the OHL since Connor McDavid was drafted. Uh, and that's Connor McDavid. So obviously they're not the same player, but in terms of goal scoring, Svechnikov scored goals at about the same rate or better than Connor McDavid when he was drafted. So you're looking at a guy who could be a, a 30 goal scorer in his rookie year. He hasn't scored a goal yet, but he got his first point, I think, last night. So, you know, he's getting there. And I think Carolina's good enough to help him get to 30 goals, um, you know, if all goes well. So he might be in there with. Pedersen and Haskinen. I thought Henrik Borgstrom was going to make the team uh, in Florida and they sent him to the AHL. I mean, it makes sense. You know, you get him, you know, he just came from the NCAA. So send him down, give him, you know, 18 minutes a night and maybe after 20 games, you can bring him up. But uh, a, a guy who is playing in the NHL is Christian Veselainen, who I think could be a really interesting case for potentially a Calder vote. Uh, he fell pretty far in the draft and went to uh, Winnipeg. And Winnipeg, I think it also is, you know, the, the Winnipeg team is so good that even if he isn't, let's say he's 80% of the player that they thought he was coming in, they're good enough to like buoy him up to a certain level. And from what I've seen, like he's a, he's a really, really strong power winger who's going to just, I think he can shoot the lights out. And so if he can even get to, you know, 25 goals and 50 points in that realm he might push himself into the calder voting but mm. I, I think it's going to be an interesting sort of Pedersen versus Haskinen kind of thing and i mean the edge goes to the forward usually with the calder so yeah i, I think it's Pedersen right now and especially after watching him play in the first i think they've only played the one game but i saw that game and you know they're easing him into the lineup but i don't think it's going to take long for him to be <laughs> like they're going to give him the keys to the ferrari i think yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. I know. Um, I think he had. Uh, he already has at least one one goal, right? A goal and yeah, assist. Yeah, I think a goal. Yeah, a goal and an assist. Yeah, 
And then, yeah, like, uh, you know, like we said with Heiskanen, I know uh, there's a Twitter, you know, somebody posted on Twitter. It's like, this is Heiskanen's first NHL shift. <laughs> it's like, holy crap. Like, this yeah. is, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I wanted to cir- uh, circle back and, and, and ask you something because uh, with, with Henrik Borgstrom uh, on our on our website on uh, Winging It in Motown, we had uh, we do a series every year with uh, bold predictions. And so basically, um, y- you know, like the idea is like, you ha- like, like what we do is we we split up into groups and then uh, we make five bold predictions each, and then the other people in the group like will comment on it, you know, or respond to it. So like you can't do something like Pedersen will win the Calder because it's like, well, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, like uh, you know, I mean that's not really a bold prediction. So one of mine was that Borgstrom was going to be top three in Calder voting. Yeah, and then that was like I wrote that, and then the next day they <laughs> sent him down. Yeah, so like. Do you, do you think that there's a good chance that he'll be up in the near future, or do you uh, think they're just gonna kind of like let him develop in the AHL this year? I think so. I think they're gonna bring him up eventually. Like I, I I've seen Borgstrom play a, a, a few times. I watched one of the games he played in the NHL last year. Like, and I I see it. Like, I see what I see what they want out of him. He, and a, another thing to keep in mind is that he's a bit older than the other guys drafted in 2016. He's a tw- he's 21 now. So. Uh, you know he's he's at that age where you're going okay you could you could play in the NHL like the, the you know 20 it's not outrageous for a 21 year old who was drafted th- you know 2 years ago to play so i think that they're going to i think they just want him to to ease into things and you know cuz the way he plays the game is with a lot of skill like he he has the most ridiculous set of hands that you're probably going to find on a player and that's a great skill but in the NHL, everything is so much quicker. Like you need to think and process the game at, at such a high level and going straight from the NCAA to the NHL, especially with someone who plays like he does, you know, you have to be really careful because you don't want to throw him in too hard. And I think what their, their logic is, is he can go to the AHL, he can play top line minutes, you know, you can rely on him to build on that skill set. And then, you know, maybe he spends the whole year there, but just judging from how high end he is and how good he was last year, it's probably going to be a thing where if he comes out of the gate and is like a point per game AHL player, they can look at him and go, especially if there's an injury, they can just go, okay, we'll bring you up. Uh, I'm just going to pull up Florida's roster depth because uh, they also are pretty deep down the middle, if I'm not mistaken. Barkov, Barkov Trocek, McCann. So yeah, they, they're two good centers deep. And I don't think you want him playing third line behind Vincent Trocek right now. I think mm. I think maybe you do if if Florida maybe needs more offense or if he's lighting up the AHL. I could I could see it, but I also get the logic as to why you send him down. Okay, that makes sense. I'm glad you guys bring up one of the more mo- most annoying things about the sport that I love so much, which is the you know the, the ebb and flow of how much a person needs in the AHL in order to make the leap. And obviously people vary. Um, but first of all, I think Borgstrom needs to be up because his name is Borgstrom. <laughs> <laughs> if we can be serious for a moment. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's, I, I'm, I'm actually kind of mad at Florida having all the good player names right now. Barkov. <laughs> Bugstad. Like they are kind of hoarding a little bit of the picks in that regard. So I wish that they would <laughs> turn some over to the rest of us. <laughs> they had a lot of Max too last year. Jared McCann, Jamie McGinn, Derek McKenzie. Yep. yep. <laughs> a lot of Max. I'm think I think we're starting to see maybe the next metric that scouting is going to start judging players on. <laughs> yeah. Know, yes, 
there's ability to there's there's uh, how you perform on the forecheck. There's how you are on defense. There's how you are in the power play. And then it's what is your lineage? What is your name? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then yeah. and then we're gonna find that one sweet spot where everything can inter- intersects, and there's- it's gonna be this like blinding flashy moment where we all probably won't be able to recognize it because we're just so dumbfounded that it's actually happening. Right. And then- there, there might be some, there might be a word in the world of statistics for looking for variables like that, that have an effect yeah. um, that are pointless and, and, and entirely stupid. So I'll, I'll, I'll look into that, but I think there's a word <laughs> for that. Um, so as far as like, like draft, I, I guess I like talking to, because when we, we don't really get like too many draft centric folk, so I wanted to ask you when you're when you're looking at drafts. I, I think the question I ask most often is what is what is the one thing that is like a like in, in your mind the one thing that you always look for that when you see it you know like okay this guy's gonna be good. But I, I kind of wanted to flip it on the uh, on the other side, which is what is the one area that constantly trips somebody up in your opinion when it comes to being drafted. Um. Do you mean like what what trips somebody up is in like misjudging a player or, or or yeah or or maybe just a skill that is a that is regarded as you know really kind of something that teams aren't looking for straight like yes but more more to what you were saying but I was thinking but I was also thinking along the lines of you know is it uh, you know is it offensive awareness is it positioning is it yeah. skating is it can you know like what like what is the one thing that teams automatically when they see it where they're like <laughs> yeah hey, keep them away i think i think uh i th- i think what comes to mind actually is something that um that people like the public tends to look at a lot i mean you know twitter highlights and everything are great and i i, I think i think something really interesting to me is watching players who when i watch them i see a lot of individual efforts you know someone who's a great example of that this year is a guy ranked in the first round is vasily podkolzin pod podkolzkin or anyway mm-hmm. uh he plays in the russian junior league and you know he's ranked first round easily some guys top 10 top five he's all over the place but he's right in there and when i've watched i've watched a couple of games that he's been in and i see a lot of individual effort like he's blazing up the wing with the puck and cutting in, doing it all himself, going end to end. That's um, awesome. Like that's great. I, I really, it's really exciting to watch. It's just the thing is in the. It's interesting to a b guys who play in junior versus watching an NHL game. You know that it's been really interesting to me to watch. You know junior hockey versus pro hockey and see the differences and. And you, I often ask myself when I see a junior player do something that you don't see in the NHL, is it, it, it the question is, how many times do you see that happen in the NHL? How many times do you see a winger circle from the goal line and go end to end and score a goal? It just doesn't happen in the NHL. There's a lot more puck movement. There's a lot more strategy. There's a lot more uh, physicality. There's a lot more defense at play. So when you take a player like Pod Colson, who's going end to end and you know, torching the opponent and transplant him into a higher level. Does that skill translate? Does that happen? And a lot of the time, you know, he can, you know, it's not like he's going to be a bust or anything, but it's something to keep in mind. If you do draft that player, it's like, okay, his profile is he's a great skater. He can go end to end and everything, but um, you know, there's other skills to the game that, that other players might be able to mitigate his threat level with. So I think, I think, just being able to 
AB between the NHL and the AHL and see guys who, you know, maybe are making simpler plays a lot more guys who are not, not necessarily simpler, but maybe um, using their line more using their teammates, guys who are positioning themselves really well. And I think people over people kind of, especially, you know, on Twitter and with social media and all these clips that show up, people kind of isolate really ridiculous high end plays, which is great, but there's so much more to it. And I think, I think at the same time, teams flip that around and look at everything that isn't that high end play and go, okay. And they judge players based on really sort of minute level things that, that might, you know, be perfectly reasonable, but at the same time, uh, it might be a little bit of nitpicking and, 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 you know, and that's kind of why I like using sort of the statistical angle, because I can look at who's outperforming expectations and then I can go to the tape and look and see what they're doing or what they're not doing or, you know, what might be a situation where, okay, this person is producing a lot, but is there something that might hold them back from, you know, being a really, really high end player? Yeah, um, I was really interested in what you said uh, about how for some players, the, uh, you know, the, like a goal that they can score in junior, they're not going to be able to score probably even in the AHL, let alone the NHL. Um, it reminded me, I, I meant to talk about this on the podcast. I think, I think the last one uh, where the, um, on, on, on Craig Custance's full 60 podcast, he had an interview with uh, Daryl Belfry, who's a, um, I guess he's technically a skills coach, but he doesn't like being called a skills coach. So right. I forget exactly what he, well, I forget exactly what he prefers, but um, it made me think of uh, how, you know, he was talking about how he evaluates players and he looks at, you know, how they did. And, and so, you know, he'll be like, okay, so in juniors you scored, you know, 40 goals or whatever, but it's like only eight of those would translate to the NHL mm-hmm. because like, you know, this one, like you skated into the crease and you stood there for five seconds and nobody touched you. And then you hit it, hit in a rebound. It's like in the NHL, it's like you would only score that goal. If you and the puck arrived at the exact same time and you instantly shot it, like you, you don't have, you know, half a second. Yeah. Um, and so it reminded me of, I remember I, I got to see uh, John Tavares in the world juniors before he was drafted. And, you know, to kind of contrast that, I remember just being amazed with Tavares's ability to read the play. And it seemed like he was always open and yeah. it was incredible. And, and then and then when you see him in the NHL, obviously it took him, like, you know, he, he didn't instantly come in and be able to do that. But, um, you know, even like I saw I saw his first game in the NHL. Uh, live and I just remember it was kind of the same thing like it wasn't the same level obviously because it's different competition but he still had even at the NHL level he instantly had that ability to kind of find the open space and you could tell that you know this is going to be something that's going to lead to him being able to be a special player yeah yeah I I think aware like awareness is really important and I I try to look for that as much as possible like uh, a really good example of guys who just kind of know where to be is uh Dallas's second round pick from I believe last year Jason Robertson who plays in Kingston uh hmm. he is he was on my stat sheet like I, the only knock that I could find against his game is he's not much of like a <clears throat> not what I would call like a doer like he, he he doesn't he doesn't like with the puck he doesn't do a lot 
but he scores a lot. Like it's hard to it's hard to kind of explain, but you know, you give him the puck and you're not going to expect him to go end to end with it. You give him the puck, you're not going to think he's going to set up a play off the off the boards or something as a winger. What he does is he finds that open space. He's not the best skater, but you know, if he can figure that out, then you have a really smart offensive guy with a great shot who has good instincts and that can take you a long way especially if you're say in Dallas playing with a playmaking centerman who can just get to the puck like I, I think I think that awareness is really important and I mean obviously I'm not trying to equate John Tavares with a second round draft pick and Jason Robertson because John Tavares mm. is John Tavares but you, it goes <laughs> to what you're saying like it, it 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 does matter like that instinct and and it may not look flashy and i think that is where scouts kind of have it right and have it you know you want guys who are intelligent while they're on the ice especially playing if they're if they're a scoring forward you know are they are they doing it intelligently and like a pro or are they just getting by on their own talent and you know and you can't get by on your own talent. I don't want to sound like you can't, but it's a lot. It's a lot easier if you just are a guy who's like, I need to find open space and and call for a pass, or I need to sneak around and find a way to set myself up so that when the puck hits the goalie's pads, I'm right in position to get that rebound. Like, you know, it, it, it's a different type of game. So, and I think that's more translatable to the NHL than someone who is a really high skill, high speed, high octane thing. Like even someone... Uh, I don't want to be long-winded, but even being in Toronto, someone like Mitch Marner, you watch him in junior, and he is carrying the puck all game long. He's he's making plays where when, like I think Jeff Merrick says, if you if you watch him play in junior, you don't see the play that he's about to make at all. No one does. Right. And then you yeah. see him do it, and you're like, oh my god, like what the hell? How did that even happen? And in the, <laughs> N- in the NHL, I mean, he's a great playmaker. Like that. And that's how I'd categorize him right now. He's like he's a great playmaker and an underrated goal scorer. But at his best, he's a really smart playmaker. But you don't see him pulling off the same kind of magic tricks unless it's like I think I saw some similar kind of stuff on a power play in Toronto in the preseason. Like the Toronto power play is just probably going to be disgusting <laughs> this year. But and Mitch yeah. and Mitch Marner was a large part of that. Just just making these really complicated passing plays that in junior you might see, but you know, stuff that results in an almost tap-in goal, right? And so you see this kind of thing where a guy, it, it's its the probability of hitting the ceiling that you see in the NHL, in, in, the, in junior, and then you translate it to the NHL, and it sometimes isn't always there, but at least you're taking that swing. You know, like at least Toronto took that swing on a guy like Mitch Marner, you know, and, and, and saw that high-end vision, and it's kind of translated to the NHL, but in mm-hmm. a different way. So it's all important to sort of keep all that in context, I guess. Yeah, like I've I seen, oh sorry. I've seen Mitch Marner. I've seen Mitch Marner so much, right, Pete? You yep. know where I'm going with this. I know because, exactly where you're going with this because because well, Pete has Mitch Marner at every magnificent level to try and beat me in NHL 19, uh, and he succeeds. Right. So <laughs> that makes he so like scores on a wrist shot from the blue line. Yeah, it's like <laughs> incredible. <laughs> it's <laughs> Pete scores on me with Marner that makes me seriously question what my budget needs to be in order to accommodate new controllers. So that's, makes, so that's what happens. Should, Pete, yeah. Pete, I know you were going to dive into something there. No, that's okay. Yeah. You, yeah. So, you brought so, it up and I just had to say it. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, well, I think we each have, have one more question and sure. we'll close it out. So, um, you know, our podcast uh, for sure is a, uh, is, is a podcast that covers the entire NHL, but a lot of our listeners are Detroit fans yes. uh, since, you know, we started on the same network. So, um, 
obviously this year uh, going in, you know, I was hoping for Quinn Hughes uh, because I didn't think that Philip Sedin would be available at number six. Right. And obviously when, when he became available, I was a hundred percent on board with taking him. Yeah. Uh, but I remember going in, I was thinking like, Oh man, which, which defenseman are we going to get? And then it ended up that we, the first defenseman we drafted was Jared McIsaac, who, who definitely seems like he could be a very good NHL player. Um, but obviously Detroit, you know, Detroit really needs like a really high end defenseman. That's one of their gaping holes right now in terms of like a roster. So next year, I know that most of the top picks are looking to be forwards, but are there, you know, are there some defensemen that could have the chance to develop into like that, you know, true number one defenseman that, you know, is so coveted in the NHL. Yeah. And can he please be drafted by us? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, and you just make that happen here. I, 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 I would say, I would say to start for Red Wings fans, like it, the, the, the outlook for the team might not be optimistic for this season and your salary situation might not be great, but the draft that you guys just had has been was like one of my favorites. I, I have not made that a secret. I, I thought they absolutely blew it out of the park with who they picked, like almost throughout the whole draft, even through to the seventh round. Like it was just banger after banger. And so that gives you some level of, you know, uh, comfort, but, uh, <laughs> yeah. but, uh, and, and, and it does, and, it really does and again. And a guy from <laughs> and being a guy from Toronto, seeing all the really high end forward talent, you know, like looking at the Toronto Maple Leafs as they are now, it's kind of like the rebuild is showing its effects. And like, yes, they're a bit shallow on defense, but it's passable. And if your goaltending is really good, that makes it a lot easier. But so, so I, I going into a draft, you want the best player. And I, I do think there are defensemen this year who are going to be really, really excellent options. I think uh, last year was the year for at least Canadian defensemen or at least North Americans. I mean, there was just so many really, really awesome looking options. Um, but this year there are some, This it's more forward heavy, but uh, Matthew Robertson is a guy in Edmonton who I have my eye on. Uh, you know, really he's, he's got size to him, but he's not that size physical guy. He's, He's more of a uses his size with skill to sort of get up the ice and get zone entries and zone exits. Like, and that's really, really valuable these days. Um, I've been really enjoying Cam York, but he's a bit different. He's like an offensive puck carrier. Like uh, the last, he kind of reminds me a bit of um, Calgary's pick from uh, 2017, Yusuf Valamaki, who was no slouch to stepping into the offensive zone and, and getting involved in the play. And I think if the right team with the right system can, can capture that and, and be a, be a responsible line around a player like Cam York, I, I think you're going to have a good hockey player. I mean, he has six points through four games with the development program and they have been, I've watched, I think two of those games and in both of those games, you know, it, it, it he's making a lot of that happen. So if you want like a playmaking offensive guy there, then that's another option. Um, and I think Philip Broberg is a very similar type of player. And I like guys who play against men. I, I just, I, I value that more, especially in Europe. I think there's a lot of players who fly under the radar because their point totals might not be there or they just aren't, are playing maybe in the Swedish second division. So they're not as visible, but you know, there's a lot of secret value hidden in that level. And Broberg, I believe is playing in the Swedish second division against men. 
and I think he's already got himself a couple of assists after six games or so. And for a defenseman in that league at 17 years old, that that's a great sign. And I think some people have had him as high as a top 10 pick, so it's not out of the realm of possibility that if Detroit's season doesn't go particularly well, uh, he's a guy they could look at, um, especially if they're watching, you know, they just drafted Jonathan Berggren. So they're no strangers to drafting really high upside Swedish, you know, offense basically and 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 that he would give you more of that and plus his name is broberg yes. so i mean if we're going back to yeah. you know like like trying this is what to, i'm saying uh, this is what i'm well, saying florida, yeah. might, florida might snag him then if that's the case i mean they're, they're, oh that is true it, but yeah, yeah. yeah true God, it, it, it might be between, <laughs> right florida if you're listening don't listen it might be between <laughs> it might be between him and and anthony honka which is just a amazing amazing name yeah. just so we'll, we'll see where we're at in a year but you yeah know. well we'll we'll close this out um one thing i was perplexed by last season and i and i guess this isn't something that's solely um maybe in your purview but just uh, once again as a as a draft um fan uh just trying to get a better idea or better understanding. I mean, granted, yes, we all don't know how exactly the bingo balls fall in terms of how people are awarded their slots, but um, in terms, like, do you think that there's, because obviously Buffalo demonstrated that you can be last, which gets you first, but we've seen that you don't always have to finish last to get first. So do you have any wild theories or, or concrete evidence that could lead to, maybe getting a better idea of how a team is evaluated to be worthy of, of the, of the toppest, most special pick because <laughs> last year I thought if the Red Wings finished, you know, again, we're I, my, my wild jerk face theory, which was, uh, Hey, the Red Wings have a new arena and we've stunk and the, the and the league cannot survive without a good Red Wings team. <laughs> that's why we're going to, that's why we're going to get the first right. pick, but we obviously finished, and, and and got sixth, whereas like, you know, the la- b- before this year, I think it was the last couple of first round, uh, first overalls went to teams that didn't finish in the absolute bottom. Right. So, uh, and if you have any insight, I would greatly welcome it. But if you don't, that's that's totally fine because chaos is yeah, <laughs> chaos is our lord, and we and we can't do anything. But my but, but my first thought is ritual sacrifice. <laughs> like you go out. You know, as the season goes on, let's say you have the seventh or eighth yeah. best lottery odds. Like you could, I mean, there's the octopus thing, but I'm not sure if they're still doing that. But I mean, mm. I don't know, maybe ritual sacrifice of an inanimate object or something like at center ice, like maybe a really cute teddy bear to like really push it, like really shock some people and get some gasps. Maybe the hockey gods will, you know, but, but to, to be serious, uh, I think, I think no matter what, Everyone, everyone loves to just find things to complain about, and I think no matter what the lottery is gonna, the draft lottery and getting the first overall pick, like outside of like a tournament to earn it, I don't mm. see what you can do to make it really fair. My my thought has always been to make all of the lottery picks lottery balls, like all fourteen of them, or fifteen now, uh, soon to be sixteen, but like literally make it so that the team that's first with the best lot best odds could pick 16th and make it so that the team that is say 16th could pick first i mean that's how it is now but maybe the 16th pick team could be 8th i don't know like you just pick 
you give them the same odds that you have now, but every single pick, you just go, you know, okay, first overall will be blah, and second will be blah, and it could be in a completely different order than it is. Because, like, right now, especially when you look at something like this year's draft, uh, there's a lot of really, really good talent available. And it's like, I know that you're not supposed to tank, and tanking it gives you only, what, a 20% chance of the first pick? But, mm-hmm. but if I'm a, a rebuilding team, I look at it and go okay, well, I can take the approach that, say, the Leafs took, where you go, okay, let's put a group of competent, okay veterans on the ice that will not win very many games, but will also not be a complete joke. And, like, the Leafs, when they bottomed out, at least on paper, like, if you look at their analytics as a team, you could see the system was there. They were trying to instill a playing style that drove a lot of offense, and it just, they didn't have any good players. But at least they were trying to set the set a set the table so that when young guys get there they know what they're doing as opposed to someone like buffalo who went the opposite direction and just went with youth and just (laughs) you know set the dumpster on fire and said let's just try to win and it just didn't work um so if if you're looking at the draft and the lottery and you you know you're a detroit red wings fan i mean it would have been nice last year to have won the lottery and it would have been nice to see buffalo not win it but i mean and like you said the previous year was completely random and i think I think a big problem with our sort of social media world is we have such a short uh, patience span, I guess, like such, such little patience to see things through. Like we keep changing rules because of things that are brought up on a, on a, on a relatively minor scale, you know, changing definitions of this or changing lottery odds because of this or whatever. And if you ask me, some people say, Oh, let's just do a lottery where everyone has the same odds. It's like, well, then that makes it a lot harder for for teams to really gauge their and plan out over the next whatever a period of time. Like you you know, I or they say give you know the best team that doesn't make the playoffs should get the first overall pick. It's like well then you might have team you know I, I don't know if it's like if I'm if I have a wild card spot and there's ten games left and I'm two points up on a playoff spot but my team is just outperforming expectations. It's like you know maybe there's an incentive for me to just maybe give up a bit and take that first overall pick if I'm not going to be going far in the playoffs, like to be realistic. I don't know if that's a realistic proposition for an NHL team, but uh, anyway, my approach would be to just lotteryize all of the picks that don't make the playoffs and just throw, throw things at the wall and see what happens. Cause I think that would be absolutely insane. No, I, I think that would, that would be interesting. I mean, I think, um, I think that the way they do it, like I don't have a, a huge problem with it, but I do definitely think that there is room for improvement in the current system. Yes, I, I would agree. Yeah, I, I think I think again, people will complain. Like no matter what, people are going to find reasons to complain. You know, and uh, there's sure. nothing you can do about that. And I think I think people need to kind of take the foot off the gas pedal because things things seem to be changing constantly just to fix little minute issues that create other minute issues for a different group of people. So mm-hmm. that that's hard to that's hard to mitigate without putting your foot down and saying no. This is how this is going to work and until there is, you know, a situation where similar to um uh, what was it? I forget the year, but uh during the NBA draft lottery for Patrick Ewing, they there's this mm-hmm. conspiracy theory that like uh, the the commissioner bent the envelope for the New York Knicks and threw it in, and so that when he reached oh. in, he pulled out a bent envelope, and it was the New York Knicks. So they knew, and you know, I don't know if there's legs to that, but you know, if there is a situation like that with the draft lottery now, something similar, uh, then maybe 
they look at that and say, okay, maybe we switch things, but I think it's fine the way it is. Uh, the only change I would make, make them all lottery picks, like just all of them, just screw it. Hmm. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I'm, I, I, I will, I will sign an endorse. <laughs> I mean, if I'm cra- if, if it's, if it's crazy, it's crazy, but uh, that's the only change I would make. Yeah. All right, yeah, Will. So this is this has been fantastic. Uh, we gotta we gotta wrap it up, unfortunately. But before we do, uh, so like I said before, if you don't follow Will on Twitter, it's just at Scouching. Uh, it'll also be in the show notes uh, for this episode. And uh, before we wrap up, I just wanted to like one of the reasons I wanted to have you on now is because uh, recently you've launched a Patreon. And so I wanted to obviously, you know, give you some promotion for that. But uh, so I feel like, you know, uh, to wrap it up. uh, So tell our listeners, um, you know, basically, you know, pitch, pitch your Patreon. Like, like, why should people uh, subscribe to it and and give you some money to to help you do what you're doing? Yeah. So I wanted to expand this sort of project this summer over the summer. I mean, I I had some stuff in my personal life where I just kind of went, I need to do that. Like, I just need to do it, see what happens. So I want to give the best possible resource for both people who might work in the industry and people who are just regular guys like us. You know, um, I I wanted to bridge that gap and bridge the gap between sort of the analytical world and the layman, like the guys who maybe are hockey fans and and who just might be interested in this whole analytics thing, but not, you know, kind of spooked by by the stuff that's going on. And then also adding my sort of own flavor with regards to the draft. Um, so what I offer is, you know, I I think I'm just looking at my last, my tracking sheet from last year and there are 500 players on here and data from, let's see, 22,400 games played. And, you know, like, so my, my approach is one scout can go in person and see what a hundred to 200 games a year being realistic. Uh, I, you know, and then you have a team of employed scouts that go and see, a total of maybe 2000 games, maybe, maybe more. I don't know. I, I'm not in that industry, but if I'm sitting here going, okay, there's 22,000 games worth of data here. I'm this season alone. I'm already up to, what is it? 600 and something. So it, it, obviously I'm not trying to replace scouting that traditional world, but I think it's a valuable resource. And as a fan, especially if you're a team that is in that rebuild phase, you want to know, you want to know what you're getting when you go into a draft and, and a team wants to know what they're getting when, when you go into a draft. And I kind of go over it in a recent video. It's like, I'm not trying to say this player is good. This player is bad. This player is better than this player. This, you know, cause I think that's really, really, it's so specific that it's vague, you know? And so I try to say, okay, what are you getting? Like, what package are you getting when you, when you order this product and, and like, what, you know, what are you investing in? You know, almost like a stock. So to me, what I'm trying to do is uh, provide this data and this information so that fans and scouts or whoever can understand more about what they're getting and what they're doing. So on Patreon, what I'm trying to do is, you know, at the end of the year, I'll put up my sheet. It's a bit, it's going to be a bit edited, um, but I'll be putting it up for free so anyone can see it. So if you want to be patient until the end of the year, by all means, go nuts. But um stuff like access to this prospect sheet that I have for for any person at any time that's available on Patreon early access to videos where I'm starting to put together some stuff uh, with more advanced, uh, you know, looking at data and video at the same time to analyze a a potential draft pick. Um, 
early access to those is also in there. Uh, so you can sort of stay a step ahead. Um, and I mean, the more on Patreon that I, I mean, I work full time. So this is kind of just a hobby gig that I'm just kind of starting to build up. And so the more I get there, the more I'm able to do. And there's literally no bottom to this. I mean, I, again, there's 500 players in this sheet. So I could sit and make videos on players and pull video and get all that stuff and do it all day long um, if I if I wanted to. Uh, but I got to pay for a roof over my head. So uh, <laughs> so at the end of the day, like what I'm trying to offer is is just sort of a window into into the future, basically, without without, you know, just just by using sort of data and on patreon you can also if you want to just keep tabs on who your team has drafted and who other teams have drafted there's also a separate sheet that i've kept private um that is every single sort of under i believe 24 years old every player that teams have acquired that is that age group and just sort of puts them all and gives the same kind of metrics uh in that in that frame so if you are a fan you can check it out and and keep tabs on guys and see who's you know who's coming from where. And then I mean, if you get up to the you know high high level things, which are you know I'm not going to lie, a bit pricey, but like I think it's valuable. You can get direct access to me through you know live streaming every month or direct access through emailing me and just to get really specific tailored information from me if that's something that you value. So I would check it out it's totally optional obviously and again like i said this tracking sheet will be available for free and it's you know going to be a bit edited and everything but you know it's going to be basically what you get if you pay but if you want that live access through the year then then you know where to go awesome yeah so uh like i said i mean i i am a uh i am a a, a supporter unfortunately like i i do think like you said i do think that the uh um, you know, the higher, the higher end things, I do think that they're valuable. Unfortunately for me, I can't afford yeah. that right now, no, that's fine. but like I said, like, I, like, I do think there's a lot of value there. So again, so if you, um, if you want to see that, if you just go to, uh, if you go to, uh, Will's Twitter, um, it's linked on there. Uh, also he has a YouTube channel that you can, that you can go to. Um, and so, you know, you definitely find a lot of content for free. And then like, like Will was just saying, you can, uh, find some, some extra content, uh, if you're willing to pay. Uh, so Will, thank you so much for coming. This was a great oh. conversation and, uh, we'll have to have you on again, yeah. probably, uh, maybe closer to the draft. Anytime. I mean, I, I think Detroit's done really well. And if you want, if you want me back, I'm happy to be back. Uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a big uh, big year for them. I think. Uh, I think the future's bright. So rest easy. I would say. Uh, yeah, I, I've been wearing my my shades when I when I watch uh, the games good. this year so far. Oh good. boy, see see just because I say time keeps on slipping slipping, you just gotta one up me with your future hey, so bright. Bring it on. See how it is. Bring yeah. it on. <laughs> bring it on all or nothing yeah. all right so uh thanks a lot will and uh, we'll talk soon yeah, anytime well we thank will once again for stopping by our lovely program uh we can uh talk for for hours and hours but uh you know that's that's just that's our penance in life with uh uh these these uh fun interviews pete we we, we have good ones, and they, we just want to keep talking forever and ever. But uh, that is uh, just about all the time we have for this week's edition of the For Sure Podcast. If you'd like to follow along on the madness, because even though the season is still young, that still means that the clock has started, and we're going to be talking a lot about uh, 
uh, ice fight or uh, ice puck as our stick puck, as <laughs> Pete likes to call it. So uh, you can follow us on Twitter uh, for the pod itself. It's at 200 foot pod. That's at 200 FTPOD. And then uh, if you want to follow Pete online, um, which uh, I mean, I, I recommend it, but you know, some doctors recommend it within only a, you know, a decent dosage. Don't, <laughs> don't, uh, don't take too much. So he's at, at P Flynn hockey. That's P F L Y N N H O C K E Y. If you want to follow me, because uh, we all know that's the real, real, real reason you're listening to this. Yeah. Uh, I am at the roar underscore 24. And uh, now Peter will talk to you about a very special thing we've got going on. What's it about Pete? Yeah. All right. So um, typically at the end of each show, we, we, uh, we mention our, our merchandise store because, uh, you know, we always want to be promoting the podcast and uh, the, uh, you know, the, 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 the merchandise that we have at the store is really cool. Um, it's, it's stuff that I've, I've bought, you know, cause I want to make sure it's, it's good quality uh, because I, you know, I do believe in the idea that, uh, we shouldn't be asking people to buy stuff that we wouldn't actually wear, you know. Um, and so, you know, I have I have a T-shirt. I have a couple of the hoodies and a notebook and a pillow for the couch and, and all this stuff. So anyway, um, what we're going to do is uh, for the Winging It in Motown site, we have launched our charity challenge uh, for this year. And last year we raised uh, $2,300 or over $2,300 for the Concussion Legacy Foundation. Um, and obviously this is, uh, you know, this is a, a, a charity that is doing work that is definitely close to Red Wings fans. Um, you know, we've seen, we've seen players, uh, you know, not be able to play anymore because of concussions. We've seen the effects of what that can do, uh, you know, both to former Red Wings and around the league. And, you know, some of those stories are just heartbreaking. So, uh, we, you know, last year I pitched uh, to the group that we uh, use this charity and we did last year. So, like I said, we raised twenty three hundred bucks and we are um, doing that again this year for the site. And so, first of all, uh, go to Wing It in Motown and uh, look for the charity challenge post. It is printed. Uh, it is posted right now on the front page. It's pinned there. So you should be able to see it there. And um, basically, the the general gist is that what you do is you pledge a certain amount of money uh, for a an event. So like, so say for example, if you want to pledge a, a a dollar for every point that Dylan Larkin scores this year, and at the end of the season, you know, let's say he has, you know, let, let's let's be positive, he has eighty points. He did it incredibly. So you uh, make a pledge for eighty dollars. Uh, you share it with the winging it in Motown uh, Twitter account. And if you, uh, if you donate more than $25 or $25 or more, then you will be entered into the running for a Red Wings Jersey of your choice. Uh, I remember last year's, uh, the person who picked it uh, got an Alex Del Vecchio Jersey. Um, so whatever player you want, uh, you can, you can get it and we will, we will send it to you um, as, as uh, you know, as a thank you for, for being in, uh, you know, for, for helping us to donate to this worthy cause. Um, and additionally, uh, what Jay and I decided is that we are going to donate all the money we make from our merch store, which granted is not a ton, but it's something. Uh, we're going to donate uh, all the all the money that we get from everything that's sold on our merch store to that challenge, uh, to, you know, to that charity uh, for uh, this month, right? So actually, since well, since the challenge started, which was uh, I think October second, 
Uh, so for you know the the entire month of October and the entire month of November. Uh, so if you want to also go on and support the podcast, um, we are not going to be keeping any of the money we get because we get you know a small portion of each each purchase. Uh, so we are not going to keep any of that money for the next two months. We are going to send that to uh, the Concussion Legacy Foundation. So if you want to both support the podcast, uh, you know promote it, wear your T-shirt out tell other people about the podcast and they should listen to it. And uh, if you also want to have some money get donated, that is a good way. Um, just before we wrap up at the same time, I do want to encourage you to go to the charity challenge page and uh, pledge there before you buy our merchandise. And the reason is because let's say if you donate $50, all $50 of that is going to go to the, the charity, which is of course the ultimate goal. Um, if you buy a t-shirt, it's going to be a couple bucks, you know, so you'll spend what 15, 20 bucks or whatever, and only a couple dollars. So that'll go. So, um, you know, we definitely want to encourage you to go to the site and, and pledge, uh, but then if you also want to support the, uh, support the show, that'll be great. Um, so like I said, it's, it's a fantastic cause. Uh, we're working on maybe trying to get some, some additional raffle items. Uh, I've been talking to, uh, somebody who works at the uh, at the Concussion Legacy Foundation about maybe being able to get like, you know, maybe like a signed jersey from one of the players that is associated with it. Um, and that would be pretty cool. So keep your eyes open for that. Um, and again, thank you so much for listening. Uh, this is definitely a fun episode for us. Hopefully you have just as much fun listening to it. And we will be back at you in two weeks. And we have an incredible guest lined up. I don't want to say anything yet because... Uh, it's pretty much confirmed, but with busy people, sometimes timelines can slip. So, uh, I don't want to overpromise and underliver, but it's, there's a very, but you know what we can, do you know what we can say? Pete? I, I, I think can? I know what we can say, and I'll let you close out the show with it. All right. Game on everybody. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. 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 For sure, 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 for sure.